choosing, not choosing, but having to make that difficult decision to end somebody's life is, it's powerful. Yeah. Hi guys. Welcome to the death of my podcast. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening. If this is your first episode or if this is your 20th or whatever we're on, welcome. Every week I talk to someone that is in the process of grieving a lost loved one or someone that has their hand in the grief world, and we just talk. The who, what, when, where, and why, and, and how we're doing today, and it's been really cool. It's been really cool to hear people's perspectives and where they're at with their grief, and I feel like it helps me going through my grief. I think it helps the people I'm talking to, but it also helps the people that are listening. So really, it's just a win-win-win. Um, it's a hard season right now. On top of everything that's going on in the world, we are currently in holiday mode, right? Like holiday season, so you know, Christmas is coming up, or we just had Thanksgiving, and and it's just a it's just a hard time, you know. And I just hope that you're doing okay. And if you want to talk to someone, or if you just want to, you know, let it all out, please reach out at the death of my on Instagram or the death of my podcast at gmail.com. Um, these are just outlets I'm trying to provide for if you just want to chat or just want to share, you know? Today I talked to my friend Emily. It's a really good one. I really enjoyed talking with her and the loss of her dad. It's been seven years and just kind of the journey she has been on. Um, she's very open and very honest and I'm so excited for you to hear. So please enjoy Emily. Hi, it's your dad. Just call me and say hi. Check in up. See how you're doing. I hope all is well. Everything's pretty much the same here. I'm doing okay. I love you. Hi. Hi. How you feeling? A little nervous. We got this. Okay. It'll be quick. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. Um. What's your name? What do you do? Where do you live? Who are you? Just like a quick run. I am Emily Stevens. I live in Encinitas and I own a surf shop with my husband. What happened with your dad? So in 2013, he, well, back up a little bit. So let's see, it was late 2000. 2005 he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and didn't have a will to live so he kind of just gave up let us all know and then he met a woman and he lived here in San Diego he actually um, lived and worked on the Rincon Indian Reservation mm. out in Palma Valley so he was doing that and um yeah, he didn't have a will to live, but then met this lady and fell in love, and she gave him a will to live. Perfect. So he moved up to Northern California. Actually, let me back up a little bit. Found out about the cancer. He left the Indian Reservation. Sydney was, my daughter, was about a year and a half old. 
first granddaughter in the family, and he decided he wanted to move up to Northern California because the air was cleaner. Hmm. It was better. So he was moving away from all his family. We were all born and raised there. And it was shocking. Um, and he wanted just to deal with the cancer and die on his own terms. So we just kind of had to deal with that. So he was up there battling, then met that lady. She worked in the same nursing facility he did. He worked in, um, he was an LVN for occupational health, like older people that had gone through surgery and he was helping with their recovery. Yeah. So he met her, they fell in love, all of a sudden had a will to live. Went through chemo, beat the cancer. It's awesome. So then that was late 2005, 2006. And then um, he started having issues like in, I don't know, like 2012. I just remember he would always call me and I, I vividly have these memories of like driving and I would have him on speakerphone and Sid would be in the back seat in her car seat and he was he was a very open man like with sexuality and and different things so yeah. he would tell me that his privates were like enlarged or bleeding or like just things where I was like oh my gosh how do I push mute my right. daughter's right there <laughs> Um, but I mean, he's a nurse. Both my parents are nurses. So there was, I, it, that's what it was. It was, yeah. there was no, I don't know. It was just all medical. So he dealt with that for a year of pain, severe pain. Um, and what he would describe his genitals and, um, and blood and whatever. And, so he would go to the VA where he was treated before, and mm. they kept pushing him away. And they labeled him as a drug seeker. So it was almost a year and a half that he struggled with this. Um, and we all kind of laughed about it because, I mean, it was just so inappropriate, but it was just my dad. Yeah. And then July 13th of 2013, I got a call from... Uh, the woman he married, now my stepmom, and we called her T-Rose. And she told me that, like, the pain and the bleeding was getting so bad that they finally took him to a regular hospital up in Santa Rosa. Mm -hmm. And immediately they did a CAT scan, they did all the tests, and could clearly see that he had um, testicular and scrotum cancer. And he was being admitted right away, and he was being admitted back to the VA. And how long was he having the bleeding for? A year and a half. Until the... Like, <laughs> severe pain. That's and so... Crazy. I'm a girl, and so I was trying to kind of think about, like, the things we go through in the pain. Right. And so... But then I was like... I don't know. I started... I, I felt for him. I realized it was... I don't know. He always had medical issues, so it was just kind of like one more thing. Right. So, of course, I kind of just played it off, too, but... um. And I think the inappropriateness just kind of threw me for a loop. Totally. So that was the 13th. And she called me in the morning. And then I, I remember I was, I had, it was a weekend. I don't know what it was, but I had Sydney in the car with me. And we were in the Starbucks drive-thru line when I got the call. And 
I was just shocked. I immediately drove to our shop and I met Brent and um, told him and I collapsed and he just said, do whatever you have to do. You can go. In the meantime, my dad was still very coherent and he called and he left me a voicemail and um, which I still have. And he just said, please don't tell your brother yet. My brother was doing, he's a motocross, he had a race. He's like, I want him to just focus on that. We'll deal with it later. Yeah. Um, so I honored that. And the next morning, we told my brother, Brent encouraged us to get in the car, and we drove to San Francisco. We got there at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon as they were wheeling my dad out of like just general care, whatever it was, into yeah. ICU. So that was the... Uh, like 14th that by the time we got there yeah um so we were in the hospital for about 10 days and that was a surreal experience for me because he and i had this i was the daddy's girl yeah and then my parents got divorced when i was eight and it became very tumultuous and up and down relationship until till I was in the hospital with him. Like a lot of things had happened and I think the divorce was really bad. We came from a very strict Catholic family. Mm. So we were the first of friends and family and anybody to get divorced. Yeah. I think my dad blamed my mom. I was a product of my mom. So he always kind of associated you with that yeah how old were you when they got divorced eight and um but like throughout like through high school and everything we all like got along and he kind of was kind of house to house living in his car living on the reservation going through all the stuff and i always like i would i always just kind of took care of him but my brother was his best friend and and I was just always on the back burner. And we just had a very, like, up and down, not the best relationship. Yeah. And then, so, the time comes where we're in the hospital and realize what's actually happening. And I stepped in and I cared for him for two weeks until we had to bring him home. But I was doing everything from I helped the urologist with his catheters in the hospital yeah I I mean I grew up with two parents that were nurses so I was used to a lot of things but I stepped into that role and I remember there was this one time in the hospital my mom had just bought me these like moccasin slippers and they were teal and they were so pretty but I ended up wearing them most of the time when I was in there and I had just gotten done giving my father and we were very, very private family. Like we Uh. never talked about like bowel movements or we never saw each other naked. Like we were a very proper family. So I'm giving my father a catheter and there's blood going everywhere. And and I look down at the end of it once we stabilized him and there's blood all over these moccasins Mm. And I just remembered, like, I sat on the floor up against the wall and just just cried. Like, it was just he and I in there. But, um, and then after that, I have very 
like my hands and my eyes are my father's. Yeah. So he like just grabbed my hand after that and he just held it and made reference to it. And, and I have this picture of us holding hands and it looks like the same hand. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So it's like, there's special things and I just try and hold on to that. But then, so we were in the hospital for two weeks. I did round the clock care between he and my stepmom. My brother was with us, but he was dealing with his own demons at that moment. Yeah. And then it came to the point where I had to make the decision that it was time. And so we took my dad home. And I remember we were crossing the Golden Gate Bridge and he was hallucinating. Mm. And it was it was crazy and so my brother drove him and I drove my stepmom we were like he was in front of me and my brother my dad wasn't all with it and he craved ice cream and all of a sudden my brother pulls off gets him ice cream (laughs) and we didn't know what he was doing that was like the worst thing like my dad's sick as can be lactose intolerant oh my gosh so anyway so um actually we were in the hospital for a week and then we were at home for a week. Got it. So at that point, my stepmom and I shared duties who slept and who took care of him. Yeah. So really 24 hour care. 24 hour, changing his diapers, everything. Yeah. Showering him, medicine, everything. I mean, he had no, we just watched this 240 pound man shrivel down to like maybe 110 do you feel like it was like you had to do it you had to be the caretaker with her yeah there's just i didn't think of anything else i mean it's in my nature anyways but yeah yeah, it was all that he had yeah like i said my brother has was he was there but he wasn't and it was just my job yeah just had to but i will say that like the things we went through, it was finally like that last moment, the last week we were with him. He finally apologized to me. Mm. He actually got my mom on the phone and apologized to me. He got my husband on the phone. <laughs> and they had a very unique relationship and respected each other. But he just said if he ever did anything to Sydney or I, that he would haunt him for the rest <laughs> of his life. Oh no. No, he was just it was the best moment of God, how old was I? Thirty two? Yeah. Of like thirty two years. It was like I had that one week of healing. Yeah. So I'm sure I didn't have to do it, but I am so grateful for those two weeks. Yeah. Was there like laughing and crying kind of thing do you feel like you're going through yeah he you know he made light of his situation as i said we were very private and so i can't even get graphic but he basically lost his manhood Mm. and so he would make jokes about how he was becoming a woman because it so the cancer swelled it up, but then. Yep. 
crazy. Yeah. But then I watched as, um, and the reason we left the hospital too was it left there and went into his liver, into his kidneys, and it was just slowly going up. So we knew it was just time. Yeah. And we got him on hospice and, um, and then it came to a point, I remember the, this one morning I was with him and I noticed he had like, it looked like cottage cheese in his mouth. Mm. And so I told my stepmom, I'm like, I don't think his pills went all the way down. And I mean, I was having to stick them in and, um, she just looked at me and she's like, that's the cancer. And then the hospice nurse came in and she said, that's the cancer. It like completely went up his body and it was all in his mouth. It was coming out of like a part of his eyes and his ears and it was horrendous. And that night I had to make the decision and gave him basically a lethal dose of his medicine to let him go. Well, so you, were you the power of attorney? Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. And um, that was hard because choosing, not choosing, but having to make that difficult decision to end somebody's life, is it's powerful. Yeah. And I know he wanted to go. He wanted to go 10 years prior. Right. Like he was ready then. He's always been ready. He just never felt like he fit into this world. Yeah. But um, yeah, I struggled with that for a long time that I'm, I mean, I could have let him suffer for days, but so it was, it was really weird. It was like one in the morning and my step, we were all sleeping on the couch and my stepmom and I just like woke up and we just both looked at each other and we just knew and we went in and we said goodbye and he took his last breath and you watched it yeah he held on to my hand and at that point after the night before he was he was gone but but yeah and then he he squeezed my hand and then finally opened his eyes and he just stared at me and then he left and it was i've never experienced that before of course so it was, it was crazy. And then the hospice nurse, I remember she never came. She only showed up once, which was kind of useless. Yeah, basically. And then she showed up like the next morning at like 10 in the morning. But um, I had to call. I think that's the craziest thing. You're going through this emotional trauma. You're making these hard decisions. Then you have to do the clerical work. Yeah. You have to call the mortuary. You have to set that up. And I think above all, watching these like, it was a father-son mortuary that was local. And they came in and putting my dad in like a bag and watching him walk out was by far the hardest. Mm -hmm. The finality of it was insane. What, What was it like from when he took his last breath to when they took him out like what were you doing it was weird it was um, I took my brother and they lived right next to the Russian River yeah. and did you wake them up yeah like we were all awake yeah and um 
I mean, we stayed with my dad and we laid with him for a couple hours. And then when they were taking the bag out, I took my brother and we walked across the street to the Russian River and we just sat there and held each other and cried. And it was the very first time he and I have ever said, I love you to each other. Mm. And I don't think we've said it since, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was yeah we just and then we were just there and it's like what do you do yeah but no that moment after he passed it was oddly like powerful it was definitely felt his presence you saw life and death like for real yeah not a lot of people see that no we definitely like feel him and we still feel him i just moved in this whoops this house a few months ago you know and um my job was to get that spare bedroom fixed up. So I finally did it the way I wanted to and finished yeah. it about a week and a half ago. And I had this box and it's all my dad's stuff. But one thing I did, we cremated him. And since then we've spread his ashes, but I chose to keep some of his ashes and put it into this lamp. Mm. And I used to have it in our old house and Sydney had me turn it off because it used to flicker all the time. And it just kind of freaked her out. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So when we came here, I turned it on about a week and a half ago. And I was just laying in the bed and looking at the room, like so happy and seeing some of my dad's stuff. And and it, it got, it just started glowing like so bright. Mm. And I think it was when Brent and Sydney were on their road trip. Okay. And it was it took my breath away but i know like my dad was so spiritual and so in tuned i know it's him and i have moments like that quite often both my brother and i do were you more scared or more at peace seeing that peace for sure um but overwhelming because it's been a long time since i i mean i haven't really talked about it ever and i'll tell my mom some things here and there I've never discussed the whole situation with my brother yeah or those two weeks we had together I just kind of I don't know let it be yeah I went through a lot of crazy like panic attacks and anxiety once I got home of course because it's like he dies you handle that and then I remember the next day, my brother was like, okay, well, we got to go. I need to get home. He had two young girls, too. And yeah. just like, what do you do? Right. You feel like you need to stay longer. And I was like, what do you do? What was it like with his um, his wife? Because here you guys are, right? Like, Or like you're the power of attorney. I'm sure some part of her is like, well, you know, I'm the one that's here with him. and But then post that, it's like you have to make those decisions. Oh, my or? dad's wife? Yeah. Um, no. She and I were on the same page. Oh, good. And we had never been on the same page. But for some reason with this, we were... I thank God for her. Yeah. Like we have this crazy special bond. Um, do you still talk to her? I do. A little less sure. as some months go by. Sure. She remarried quickly after. and Doesn't want to be alone. No, and ironically, her husband died at the 
the exact same thing she like says. less than a year later that's, it's like cruel that's terrible yeah and um yeah breaks my heart but no she i i don't we couldn't have gotten through it without each other yeah so what was it like coming home and then you know like you have responsibilities you have a daughter you ha- you know what i mean you own this shop like life still moves on it's honestly been difficult i so i grew up like really religious and i understand death i understand i mean i believe in god and heaven and so it should be a lot easier but there's something within me personally that i have a really hard time with accepting loss yeah so when i came home my husband was so good and helped me through all these like panic seeing everything i did and and the decisions and everything was just so hard and so when i got home and things got quiet and back into the routine he he, god he was my rock like he would just be up with me in the middle of the night and help me breathe through it and he got me a counselor and she and him helped me big time Mm -hmm. and I had to go on like antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication for like two years and then you know it took me a while to get off but I don't I had a very high demanding job yeah when I was going through this and traveled and I was high ranking I've never been able to get back that person I was. Mm. I've never been able to just, I couldn't hold down my job anymore. Yeah. And, and then I ended up losing it. Um, what in 20, like three years later I held on and I had great managers and bosses that helped me through it. Yeah. But then finally, like, we had to cut ties. I just wasn't performing the way I used to. And I used to be, like, such a go-getter and so much stronger. But it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I just got def- not defeated. Just it, I've just never been the same. Yeah. Grief changes you. I know. And it scares, it scares me, though, because yeah. I think about my mom, who is my best friend. Yeah you know, or my husband or my daughter. And what if something happens to them? Like I, I mean, my dad, I had a tumultuous relationship with and I saw the nastiness of death, but I don't know. It scares me. Yeah. But, um, I've been doing better. Part of why we moved again was to maybe try and help. Yeah. Get us all in a better place. But, my husband and my daughter have been the best. Mm. They get me. Yeah. <laughs> Whether they want to or not. But <laughs> no, they, it's, I think it's hard for people to understand those that like suffer from depression. And I've just been dealing with it since my dad's death. Yeah. Do you feel like you, so you started taking antidepressants right after he died? Or soon after? Soon after. Because I did too. And I'm still on them. Yeah. Do you feel like getting off of them helped? 
I think like I was in such a good place and like the panic attacks and the anxiety were I had it under control. I yeah. mean, they were really bad. And, um, and you know, I think like my husband's not a huge medication person Yeah. and there's been struggles within our family. So I just felt like I was in a good place and I could kind of start to come off. And then mm. I think the other thing is I lost my insurance when I lost my job. Mm. And so it took like a year and a half for me to, after stopping them, to finally feel somewhat normal. Great, but right? I also think that I'm just the type of person that I struggle with depression. anxiety and mm-hmm. depression that yeah. I should be on something. But, yeah. and it's like, I try and do all like the natural things, you know, that normal people can do, but mm-hmm. it's to get to that point to do those natural things. It's, it's hard. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I think, you know, I, I've heard positive things about antidepressants too, where it's just like just connecting something in our brain that's a little disconnected. Yeah. Definitely feel like there's a disconnection. I wonder, it's been seven years this year since my dad passed. Why is it still so damn hard? Yeah. So I just, I don't know. I, I Every year I travel back up to San Francisco to Bodega Bay where I put his ashes. Mm. And this year was the first year because of COVID. I didn't go. And... But I like going and I go alone most of the time. My two best friends came with me last year. But I like going alone. I like taking that drive and it just connects me. Yeah. But it's not too late. You got a few more weeks. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Just pack your bags today and go. God, I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. What was he like? My dad, (laughs) he was living in and out of his uh, VW van when my parents met. (laughs) Um, He just was like a lover of people, but he was stubborn. But it's funny, like, um, on my mom's side of the family, like, we have some strong genes. Mm. Everybody on my mom's side. It's like Irish, Italian. They all look alike. Dark features, dark, you know, hair, eyes. They all look the same. I am like the one that doesn't look like anybody. I look like my dad. <laughs> I look like my dad's family. Um, But he was just, he just loved people. He loved, he, he was a natural nurse. Yeah. But he had a really difficult life. And so that made him stubborn. Whereas if you didn't go with the flow with him on a personal level, he could easily You're out. write you out. Yeah. So I challenged him and that was our battle <laughs> big time. But, um, but he was good and it took him a while. I, I mean, I, I remember when Brent and I met and when he went to my dad and asked for permission and everything like my dad was so good to him and just made Brent promise to take care of me and he was good he walked me down the aisle and that was one of 
the happiest moments, you know, to have my dad and there's my man. I never felt so secure and so loved by these two men. So special. Yeah. And they made sure that they kept that connection for me. But, you know, my dad was kind of a natural hippie. (laughs) He um, was a nurse in Vietnam. Crazy. And I think he left a crazy life. He grew up in South Carolina. He left a crazy little family life, joined the Navy, saw horrible things in Vietnam. I'm sure. And that really, really messed him up. And then came back here. He and my mom met at um, Palomar Hospital in Escondido. And I mean, it's just, but the man's been married quite a few times. <laughs> he loved, he loved his ladies. But he and my mom were married for 13 years and have two kids out of it and yeah. three grand girls. Do you have half siblings from him? No. I don't. I'm surprised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I always joke he kind of married the United Nations. Like, mm. he had two white wives, and the rest Just were what? Indian, Hispanic. <laughs> but He's... he liked it. But, like, ultimately, like, after being with my mom, he moved to the Indian reservation and really embodied that culture. Like big time, which was awesome for us because we saw a whole different culture. Yeah. And he worked for, it was called the Indian Health Council, and he did AIDS um, council. He, I mean, he just, he just loved the people there. Mm. And he had a wife there, and um, God, they were married for like 10 years maybe. Yeah. But um, yeah, he did some great work out there. And it was, I was proud of him. Do you have a favorite memory with him? <laughs> I, I have quite a few, but he, so he taught me how to drive and he taught me, he would take my brother and I out. He always had Volkswagens. So I learned on a 69 bug and the guy would put the bug on a hill, park it, tell me to get in it. And I'm 12 <laughs> and he's like, okay, go. And I don't know if you've ever driven a bug with stick shift. You got to put your whole body, like, I'm just <laughs> holding on that steering wheel trying to get going. But, uh, yeah, like, just driving with him was always awesome. He just, when I was younger, when my parents were together, I was baby girl. So I, that, I remember that love so much. Like, yeah. One of my favorite memories is I came out, I couldn't sleep and I came outside and he was a big smoker. Mm. So I came outside of the driveway and he put me up on the roof of this old Oldsmobile and we laid there and it was a night where you could see every single star. It was amazing. Mm. And we sat there for so long and he just told me how much he loved me. And that's one of my favorite memories. So special. Yeah. And then he was there when my daughter was born and uh, he brought in this big old gaudy ornament and I thought it was so obnoxious and I was just, you know, just had a kid and hormones. I was so bitchy. Yeah. But he gave me this ornament and he put his visitor pass on the back of it (laughs) 
every Christmas. That's my very favorite ornament. I love that. But yeah, he's. It's good talking about it and remembering a lot of the good, not so much the pain. So Mm. thank you for that. Do you feel like, speaking of Christmas, did you do anything on either Christmas or Thanksgiving or his birthday or the day he died? Do you feel like you, did you do anything other than, or I guess you went up and visited him. Was that on any special day or just any time of the year? When I visit him now, Mm -hmm. I usually go around uh, July 26th when he died. Got it. But, um, no. I never have been a fan of Christmas because that's when my parents broke up. Yeah. Um, but trying to kind of change that, especially having my own family now yeah. and having a little one. Well, not so much mm-hmm. anymore, but it's changed things. But yeah. now I, I like I have that tattoo on my hand. Yeah. That says, it says be still. And that was huge for me. Is every that time. No, oh. I got be still. Um, so he died in July, and then I had a work trip in Vegas, and I got the be still in October, mm. and then the coordinates to where I put his ashes. Crazy. So last year, or God, when was it? It's right before COVID. My be- my two like childhood best friends took the trip with me. Yeah, and I showed them where my dad I put his ashes, and there were these wild flowers. Mm. Nowhere, I mean, we're in this beach. It's cold. It's all rocks and then these wildflowers right there. Yeah. It was insane, like sunflowers and big purple ones and beautiful. It was awesome. So I just try and go up every every year yeah. more if I could. But And speaking of your best friends, how were they when he died? Maybe not just them, so we're not, you know, pinpointing exactly them, but just people in general. Do you feel like friends were supportive like what was that like for you well everything happened so quickly yeah i mean two weeks from my dad being fine to passed away yeah so it was odd like the people i wouldn't expect reached out Mm. and were amazing and so sweet like um he didn't have a relationship with any of his siblings yeah and they all reached out to me and i hadn't heard from them in 20 years i think the kind of some of the people closest to me they don't really know what to say or what to do right and i didn't i didn't hear from my best friend it was kind of weird i didn't either but we were also like even though we'd been childhood best friends we weren't talking at that point like every day like we do now so i just i just think some people don't they don't know how to how to be yeah which has taught me a lot because now i know like i don't have to say the right things or do the right thing or show them i don't know the grand gestures i could just send them a heart emoji yeah you know or just be like i love you yeah um but when i got home my family, my extended family on my mom's side created this. I went over to my aunt's house and they had all these pictures that somehow they had all found throughout the years, printed them out and put them in frames and just made this huge table for my brother and I. And That's so special. It was really, really sweet. 
but um yeah it's it's odd the people I wouldn't expect were sending me like notes of memories they had or how my dad affected them and all of that was beautiful I loved it if someone listening just lost someone lost their dad what's something you'd want to tell them I would that's hard there's so many things like it just I mean you hear this all the time but hold on to those so close I I think the biggest thing for me because there was torment within our relationships is make things right Mm. like find closure find you may not get those apologies or you may not get what you want but you need to make it right before somebody goes if you have that kind of relationship with them you know if you have a great relationship just don't let a day go by without somebody knowing that like you care and you love them and you yeah. got them. Yeah. I know it sounds like so cliche, but no, it's true. like, again, I'm so thankful for those two weeks, no matter how freaking hard they were. Yeah. And I would step in like caretaker role again, but that was what was meant to be for me and my journey with yeah. him. Yeah. You know, if, he was here you got to see him one more time what would be the the thing you'd want to tell him you trying to make me lose it (laughs) (laughs) oh my god daniel (laughs) (sighs) it's weird okay so as i'm getting older and learning more about myself i realize i'm so much like my dad the intricacies in his brain that I didn't understand as a young adult or kid so I think what I would tell him is that I love him I see you I understand you Mm. and I would have a lot more grace for him and I was like god I talk to him now all the time like I get it now dad I get why you were that way it wasn't because you're just an asshole (laughs) Like, I get your brain is like, there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. So I just, it's so weird, like how I understand things a lot more now than I did then. And, but it's also amazing because now I know he really, really did love me. He just struggled. Yeah. And it was him and it wasn't me. Yeah. And I think that's been something really i've learned over the last six months mm, that's special yeah you're still it's taking a long time yeah though. but you <laughs> but know it's very common for people to just lose someone and then that's kind of it you know because people stop asking people you know those first week or two three weeks people are there and then that's kind of it so but i'm just glad you're still thinking about it and growing from it and yeah yeah it's crazy when i go to the beach to visit with him like i've feel him like like i said he was so spiritual like i feel him yeah so then i'm like oh if brent ever does anything bad to me he will haunt him <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's there he's listening he is. he's watching 
And then when we moved, I found this sage he gave me. Mm. And so we were saging the house with it recently. But he was a very sensitive, profound man. And I got a lot of that from him. I also Mm. got his intricate brain. (laughs) But I'm very thankful. And then... But I were, I mean, I went all through all this with my brother, but I'm sure he has a completely different recollection of sure. everything, which trips me out. Yeah. Totally different perspective on everything. Absolutely everything. He was there, but he wasn't there at all. Yeah. So. Maybe we'll get him next. Yeah. Good <laughs> luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. I know it probably wasn't the easiest, but I really appreciate it. It's been a while since I've talked about any of this, so it was good. It's like free therapy. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.